Good morning, Christ Temple North. How are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Um, it's so weird. You know, a few years ago when the Chiefs were not as good, we had a lot of noon games. Um, now it's, we have to count on our hands how many times. I think we only have two games at noon. So don't worry. I'll get you out of here on time, okay? Um, we'll be able to get brunch and then go watch the game. Trust me. Because um, I want to do the same thing. Um, but it's funny uh, seeing my mom and now my wife. This is my first time I get to preach since I've been married. Um, and uh, we just celebrated three months yesterday, so we went out and, and enjoyed that. So, so far, so good. Okay, so um, it's funny because my nephew last week, um, we had a taco bar and, at, at our house while we watched the Chiefs game. And the, the nieces and nephew were asking who made the tacos. And uh, obviously my wife did. She's a much better cook than I did, am. And my nephew, being three years old, looks at me, grabs my hand and says, Uncle, next time you better help out or she's going to take this ring back. So, <laughs> so I think... <laughs> I don't know what it is. They're teaching these kids now, but um, <laughs> next time, I guess I got to help out tonight, today. So, um, but today as we transition, um, it's funny because pastor, you know, sometimes when you're the coach, you know, you get to call the play and you sometimes let the other, your players call the play. Y'all, we all know the Chet, Chip, Wasp play in the Super Bowl, Mahomes called his shot coach is like, sounds good. They ran it. It was a pivotal moment in the game. Other times, you got you to do what coach says. You, you got to do. And so pastor came to me last week and says, I got a, I got a thing for you. I got a prophetic message for you that you need to speak on next week. And it's, and it's titled, Do the Right Thing. And I'm sitting there like, oh, okay. <laughs> but this happens to be the title of my favorite Spike Lee movie, Do the Right Thing. Now, I was one years old when it came out, okay? So um, it was, came out in 1989, the Spike Lee joint. Um, he is a movie director. I know you guys may have seen him on the court side of the Knicks games, but he is able to afford that because he made some pretty good movies. Um, but this movie revolves around um, this main character, Mookie, played by Spike Lee, He's a pizza delivery man in the heart of Brooklyn, a mainly black uh, Brooklyn neighborhood. And this pizza restaurant is owned by an Italian family, one of which the son has some prejudice against some black people, and he feels a certain type of way about the people that are mainly his customers. And throughout the movie, we also see some of the dynamics within that neighborhood. Some blacks heading on the Korean store owner, um, the Koreans hating on someone else, and we see all these different dynamics, some prejudice against the homeless man who has some mental health issues, et cetera, right? Like we have, we see all these dynamics play out in, in this movie. Um, Mookie has a rocky relationship with his baby mama, et cetera. Like it's, it, it, the relationship issues is brought forth in, uh, throughout this movie, and it all accumulates in this issue where, um, this character, Bugging Out is his name, um, sees on the wall this pizza place, 
a bunch of Italian photos. And he's like, look, this, you're in a black neighborhood. Why ain't, why ain't none of us on there? And the owner was like, it's my shop. You get a shop. You put your own photos on there. And they tried a boycott and Radio Rahim is fight the power and all these different things. And it eventually accumulates into a, a basically a race riot. And they burn down the restaurant. And uh, the, the, the movie is kind of reflecting on the chaos and troubles that we, we have when we don't address some of these underlying issues. Um, it's an incredibly powerful movie. It's my favorite movie. I highly recommend it. Um, but it all stems from everyone wants to feel like they belong and they want to feel loved. That is a universal thing that all of us can understand. And the reason for that is because God designed us to be loved and to love. It is a core essence of our beings. We are meant to be around other people. We all felt this a couple years ago during the COVID pandemic, right? If you were shut in the house, you were in a really struggling with it. Or you were around some people in your house that you may have not wanted to get away from, right? We, are, we have to be able to to be around other people. Our, our desire to be loved is so strong that we go to great lengths to experience it, good and bad. And we've been studying uh, in the Bible studies. I highly recommend if you guys come on Tuesdays or Thursdays. It's on Zoom, so you don't have to be here. Do it whatever you need to. But we've been going through the book of James, and it's been beating us up. Um, and James tells us, the brother of Jesus, that there are two ways to begin relationships. Both involve wisdom. One being the worldly wisdom. The other being godly wisdom. And it's directly related to how well we use that wisdom is how well our relationships are defined. Um, You're not going to have perfect relationships. But how you use the wisdom can define how you experience relationships and mend the gaps. A lot of people, you know, my students ask me, oh, man, tell me, oh, man, school wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for the kids, the other people. (laughs) Right? They're like, oh, there's knuckleheads in my class. Well, guess what? They grow up and they're going to be at your job, okay? (laughs) They're going (laughs) to... They're going, to, they're going to be at your job, okay? They're going to be the people who you date. They're going to be the people who you're going to have to supervise one day. There is nothing that you can go through this life, unless you want to be a hermit, that you're not going to be involved in dealing with other people. Period. Your dreams involve other people. You want to, be a, you want to grow up and be a lawyer? Great. You're going to learn from other people. And then your clientele are going to be other people, right? Same as a doctor, et cetera. You want to be a CEO. I want to be a boss one day. Well, guess what? You're going to employ other people, okay? So there's nothing that is involved um, in this world that doesn't involve other people. Your home, your school, your teams, your job um, is packed full of them. 
And most of the problems today stem from relationships going sour. You may be miserable, or you may be the misery. Either way, we can benefit of what we're going to dive into and what James has to say about how we can look at uh, relationships. Um, we're going to be out of James chapter 3. It's only five verses today, but we can, we're going to unpack this today. James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, says, Who among you is wise in understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Every day you make decisions. Every day you make decisions but you never make them alone. You either make them under the influence of the world or God's influence. That means the relationship choices you make is either good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. Everything you say or do or don't say and don't do impacts others both positively and negatively. If you treat someone like dirt, do you expect a healthy relationship with them? Probably not. Um, Even if that person is extremely forgiving, it will be difficult for the relationship to be where God will want it to be. How good of a friend are you? Probably determines how good of a boyfriend you are. Husband you'll be. Father you'll be. How good of a son are you? Women's vice versa. Change the words. <laughs> Paul warns in Galatians 6, 7, and 8 that what you sow is exactly what you weave. If you're a good friend, you'll have good relationships. If you aren't, use your imagination. That's why we must take care to base our actions toward others on godly instead of earthly wisdom. And we're going to unpack this today. Um, James defines wisdom this way. It's who you are and what you do. It's not what you say. It's who you are in your core. And then what you do. There's a lot of people that we, we'll we'll get into it. I'm trying to skip ahead. Um, Job describes wisdom, godly, James describes godly wisdom as gentle, 
Wisdom is not knowledge or intelligence. Wisdom is lifestyle. And there's six ways how we're going to unpack this scripture. There's six ways in which we can do the right thing. And these six things and these scriptures can unlock us to have good friendships, good relationships, etc. Only if we follow these things. The first thing is to be a person of integrity. You want to be wisdom, you show wisdom, you got to be a person of integrity. We hear all the time, oh, that person's so fake. They smile at you to your face and then talk behind you, back, behind your back. They said they're going to do something, but you know you can't rely on them from the show up. They ain't going to show. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. That sounds like a good time. I'll come to your cheese watch party. Yeah, babe, don't worry about it. Don't set no extra wings, no nothing. They, they ain't going to be there. <laughs> a person of integrity does what they mean, says what they're going to do, and then do it. Period. The issue why this church isn't so full is because the church oftentimes is full of hypocrites. You say you're going to church, you're doing these things, but last night your actions didn't show it. So if you're doing the same thing I'm doing and your life is just as mess as mine, what's in it for me? How are you going to be a testimony if your life is a mess and you're out of control and you don't live a life of integrity? The tough thing about integrity is sometimes it's much more difficult to define than it is to demonstrate. It does not lie, it does not cheat, and it doesn't use people. We've all felt fleeced from that salesperson once or twice before. Right? But have you sold something that you weren't willing to stand behind as well? Wisdom from above is pure, in verse 17 it says. It's authentic. A person who lives with wisdom, they invest in relationships as real. They're not in it for themselves. What can I get out of this relationship? What can you do for me? One of the best wisdom I got going into uh, my wedding day was your job isn't to be served. Your job is to outlove your spouse. And as long as you outlove your spouse, you guys will be just fine. Too many times we go even into marriage thinking about what I can get. Now, babe, I love those meals, okay? I, I, got, I got great meals, okay? <laughs> Much better than my takeout I was always doing. But if that's all I was looking forward to and getting out of it, what I can get from her, then my relationship isn't where it needs to be. Right. A person, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. There was much, someone much wiser who's been in the game much longer than I have. 
Um, a person without integrity takes, a person with integrity gives. They give their time, they give their energy, they give their effort, they give their knowledge, they give their wisdom, they give. And if they get something back, great. The greatest relationships are built on integrity. Young men, if you have to lie for her to, get, for her to be interested in you, what do you think is going to happen when she learns out the real you? Eventually, you're not going to be able to keep her because you're not living the authentic lifestyle that you so portrayed. If you're only interested in her because of what you can get out of her, you're leaving a path of destruction in your wake. And you're leaving a false witness of what God calls you to be. Women, if you look at that man as a, as a wallet... What happens when that money dries up? Right. Or, God forbid, he actually has to do a budget. <laughs> Be a person of integrity. Build your relationships on that foundation of integrity. And as the Bible says, it will be... Um, built on wisdom itself. Mm -hmm. The next thing, looking at uh, verse 17, it says, uh, wisdom is peace-loving, which means we got to handle our anger appropriately. Amen. Are you a hothead? Get mad when things don't go your way? If the Chiefs lose today, it's going to ruin your whole day? It may, but is it going to ruin everyone else's around you as well? Do you use a silent treatment to manipulate others? Do you know the person always looking for a fight? Are you unable to control your mouth? says, wisdom is peace-loving. Proverbs 14, 29 distinguishes between the understanding of the patient man and the foolishness of the quick-tempered one. It reads, a patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. Young men, when you don't handle your anger appropriately, the world can view you in two ways. It, people's fight or flight mechanisms kick in. They either run away from you or they fight it. And unfortunately, as we see in the news all too often, there's typically two outcomes when you don't handle your anger. Jailhouse, best case scenario, or graveyard. If you do not handle your anger, it can wreck your life. Amen. 
not to make excuses, but women, if you can't control your mouth, it can wreck your life. Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Anger in itself is not bad. Used appropriately, and you direct it appropriately, it can make a lot of great change in this world. Anger for the righteous things is a great anger to have when you hone it on what's appropriate. Against the schemes of the enemy. But uncontrolled anger is a dangerous weapon. It wrecks those around you, it wrecks yourself. And trust me, you wouldn't do the right thing, you better learn how to be peace loving. Or you're in for a world of hurt. The next thing it says, twice in five verses, James mentions that wisdom is gentle. How well do you respond to others' feelings? To be gentle means to be considerate, courteous, and sensitive to others. One thing I have learned is how gentle I need to be with my wife. I cannot be coach. I haven't done it very well, but when she is venting to me, I need to be gentle and not provide solutions, even though the solution seems very clear. I need to be gentle and use wisdom to understand her feelings and acknowledge them. And you can laugh because I have learned when I don't do this well. <laughs> I'm not alone. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll have a support group afterwards. How sensitive and gentle are you with others? How open can you be with other men? Can you be gentle? Or are you going to be hardened with them as well? How gentle can you be with your kids and their needs? Your coworkers? The authorities? At some point, you got to respond to others' feelings, acknowledge them, and handle them with gentleness and care. Too many times we're desensitized to people around us. Man, is she talking again? <laughs> we are talking about this for the 14th time. Man, I thought we got past this. <sighs> okay. Um, she really needs me to hear her, so I can't get, I have to get off the Instagram reels. 
and TikTok and take off the earbud of the podcast I'm listening to because she really needs to talk this out. My son, who never comes to me and opens up, throws out a softball to test the water. But if I'm not sensitive to it, I could miss the moment. And as we know, most boys will be like, not doing that again. How sensitive am I to others? Am I missing moments in which I can make a great impact in that person's life and that relationship if I use the wisdom to be sensitive to others? Can also be used to help protect you as well. My best friend, Kirsten, we growing up since we were young, and we used to hang out and kick it a lot. There were several dozen times where you felt the, the, the mood in the room shift, and wisdom told me it's time to leave. It was probably, what, half a dozen times where we, it wasn't until we got to the highway, and we get a call, hey, man, you won't believe big, huge bar fight broke out, or the cops showed up, or... All these different things happen. How sensitive are you to others? Are you using wisdom in order for you to discern any and every situation? If you go to Denny's afterwards, are you going to be sensitive and gentle with that waiter who has 14 other tables because so-and-so called out? And she just may need a word of encouragement to get her through the rest of the day. How gentle and sensitive are you? Proverbs 15.4 uh, says a tree of life, uh, says that a healing tongue is a tree of life, but the devious tongue breaks the spirit. We see this all the time. Are you willing to heal others or are you going to break them? Another thing that James teaches us um, he uses the word compliant in verse 17. We should be open to others' opinions and ideas. No one likes the smartest guy in the room. Even if you are indeed the smartest guy in the room. There's a character, uh, Sheldon, uh, what's that show? Big Bang Theory, right? He's the smartest guy in the room, but he doesn't read the room oftentimes, and it causes him a lot of trouble. Um, be open to others' opinions and ideas. Oftentimes, the best wisdom comes from other people. If I were to go into my marriage thinking, oh, man, my lonely days are done, and uh, I don't have to go and do takeout almost every other day. And how great is it to be, you know, not in the bed by myself? If I'm just get all I can get out of me, but someone along the way with wisdom who may learn some lessons comes to me and says, no, your job is to flip that and outlove her. Right. Yes. That's wisdom that I couldn't come up with myself. I would assume Pastor may have talked about that at some point, but it definitely didn't stick. Right. 
It's also great to be around other people who love and care for you as well. What I miss about sports is the day after the Sunday morning, the Saturday morning film study session. Now, seeing yourself on film, it's always interesting. Seeing how you look like, what your actions were, how you responded. Sometimes it's, it's a double whammy because you made that turnover, you know you should have made that pass, but you made that pass, and now you got to live it 14 times as coach rewinds it <laughs> and makes comments every single time. You're like, I, I know, I, I beat myself up during the game about that pass. Now I gotta re, re, relive this. But what's great is they can point things out that you can't see yourself. If you don't have a mentor or someone else that can see you outside of you, you're in for a world of hurt. And you're missing out on a lot of wisdom that can be shared. Proverbs 12, 15 says, A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. Now, from time to time, we hear pastor having to get on some people. And the reason why he has to get on to you is because you know better, but you ain't doing better. So he's got to kick you in the rear in order to do it. And whoever listens to that counsel is wise. Whoever doesn't, well, you've heard the names. He's called you. <laughs> the Bible just calls you a fool. Um, the next thing, show God's mercy regardless of how you are treated. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. And you can't do this on your own. You need wisdom. Because the world will tell you eye for an eye. Christ said, turn the other cheek. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? He hurt me, I hurt them. And that cycle of hatred continues to go forth. I got to get them back. Right? Almost every gang movie has a premise of that. Boys in the hood, they kill so-and-so, I gotta go kill them. And back and forth. Back and forth. Where's it in? Someone has to break that cycle. What's your reaction when someone, we hear gossip about you? Is it anger? Is it mad? Is it to talk back about them, etc.? Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever conceals an offense, uh, an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. Are you promoting love or are you separating? One of the two. It's interesting as Christians, we are so quick to ask for mercy and forgiveness from God, but so unwilling to give it to others. We turn on the news all the time. 
what it would look like instead of protesting an abortion clinic, loving that person. Instead of your neon signs yelling and screaming at them as they walk in, how much you love them, know before they get to that decision point. What's that look like? We over here arguing and yelling about transgender people because we ran out of things to yell and get mad and angry about. How about we just promote love? I would assume they're looking for some kind of love since it's such at the core of all of us. Oftentimes, we just give them what we want, what they want and need. How many school shooters do we need to showcase what happens when someone goes unloved? Almost every testimony there is like, well, they got bullied. They were alone. Everyone was mean to them. And they either kill themselves or they take other people with them. How many times do we have to see this example play out over and over again before the church wakes up and says, hey, we have the answers. What we have the answers for is I'm going to love you and put my arms around you. Instead, we shame them. We put them in a box. We say they're unwelcome. When at one point, we were all in that spot. Amen. Having mercy means that you give someone what they need not what they deserve. Lastly, treat everyone equally and be honest in your relationships. Do you treat most people you meet with sincere love? We all know that question. Maybe you've done it this morning. Hey, man, how's it going? Not really wanting to answer. You just try and get to your seat. Hey, it's good to see you. How are things going? Right. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to tell you how things are going. All things I can get out was good, good, good. Okay, good, yeah. It is true. It is true. And then since I'm usually in the back with the kids, a few of you came in and saw me in the back, and I'm like, hey, Trevor, haven't had a chance. Congratulations. Yeah. Me and my wife are standing right next to each other. Congratulations. So happy for you two. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I feel the love and support of the church family. But that's because someone was sensitive and treated me with kindness and was honest. Like, hey, man, I haven't got a chance to see you. Hey, I'm so happy for you to got married. Just it was three months ago, but they got the opportunity to do that. We're gonna rush out of here in a sec. But are you gonna be honest with each other? Be open and honest and be sincere in your love and affection? Or are you just trying to beat them to IHOP? I'm hungry, can't you tell? Um, 
Hypocrisy is one reason people stop coming to church. You preach this, love of, this, this gospel of love and this message of love, but yet you don't show me no love. You only love me because I give tithes. You only love me because of so-and-so or what I can do for you. You only love me because you may need a job from me one day. James, in verse 18, said, The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you're committed to forming relationships based on God's wisdom, your motivations must be pure, not selfish. Pour out our love. Pour it out. If you get some back, great. If you're in a loving relationship, hopefully it's reciprocated. If not, hopefully you can be that peacemaker. Hopefully you can be the one that sows, sows that peace. We must approach people with mercy, forgiving them even when they hurt you, giving them that love when they can't do anything for you, giving them what they need before they even realize what they need. Now, others may be sitting here like, I can barely treat other people well because I'm not well. If you're in that spot, the first thing you can do is to realize that you are loved. We're designed to be loved and to love. First thing is to be loved. You are created with a God that loves you. Before you can give love to others, you got to experience it. He has been open and waiting for you. If you need to experience that love, before you can even think about doing these steps, this will be open and waiting for you. We encourage you to come here. Pastor Fields and, and Minister DJ will be here waiting for you. If you need to make that step. If this wasn't resonating with you, you're probably in that spot of you need to feel loved. Great thing is we have a God that loves you, has died for you, and is dying to meet you again. Pastor Fields. Amen.